Hey, buddy. Hey, hey, how's it going? Can I, uh, well, can we talk? Ugh. What is it, Dad? Can't you see I'm busy? Ah, um, well, uh, yeah. What, what you got there, bud? Is that those, uh, the wizard cards? Did you get any strong ones? Magic cards, Dad. Magic, the gathering, and I don't know, maybe. This three-color deck is giving me real trouble, and I... You know what? Forget it. You don't even care. What do you want? Uh, well, um, you see, I, I was just hoping that we could talk, you know, about the, uh, the family business. <laughs> Man, I already told you. I... I... I know, I know. It's just, well, I won't be around forever, and, well... Look, I know we haven't always seen eye to eye, but I am your father. Step! You're my stepfather, Dad. Get to the point. Well, fair enough. I've made the decision to name you my successor. The Senate and the people will approve. The legions love you, and, and your father... Step! Father. Yeah, well, I'll be a, a god, Tiberius. You're the only one who can bear the mantle. You're growing into a fine young man. I'm 55, Dad. Well, yes, you are. And I, I just don't think that we can put off the announcement any longer. Please say you'll accept, son. Make me the happiest princeps in Rome. Say you'll take over when I'm gone. All right. Oh, all right? You'll do it? You'll take over the family business? All right, I'll think about it. Now, would you please let me get back to this? The land to spell ratios are all wrong, and you're breaking my concentration. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, good luck with the spell cards, son. Yippee! Oh, boy! Oh, wow! Oh, jeez! Magic cards! Well, this ought to be interesting. Thespian. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, that was wicked funny. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Well, um, cool. So uh, I guess I guess let's start the show. Um, welcome to episode seven of the Left on Red podcast. This one is called Tiberius the Man. Um, <laughs> and so 
you may have gathered that we'll be going a little bit into the history of Rome, um, which is one of uh, both of our just favorite topics. But um, yeah. before we do that, before we dive in too deeply, I, I, I think that we have a new uh, ad spot that is going to hopefully generate us another couple of couple of thousand dollars so that we can keep this gravy train rolling. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so I've actually I've got my friend here, a friend of the pod. His name is Michael Five. And so he's going to give you guys a little pitch. Come on, Michael. Come on. Hi, Michael? folks. Michael Five here, and have I got a product for you. That's right. My all-new patented matter replicator, the My Millions, is now on the market and ready for purchase. <laughs> Developed over successive generations of Michaels, my father, Michael Four, <laughs> finally <laughs> perfected the model. <laughs> Before experiencing complete neurological and muscular degeneration <laughs> due to imperfect cloning by the obtuse and ambitious Michael Three, Michael, my, my, I'm sorry. My great grandfather Michael One came up with a matter replicator 15 years ago in his parents' garage and tested it out on all sorts of organic matter. That's right, from things like toilet paper to cigars. And before that, and after that, he tried it out on the ultimate test by replicating himself. What came out was Michael II, a broken and revolting mess formed more like a pile of filth than the perfection of a first-generation Michael. Michael II was euthanized humanely, and more testing was done prior to the creation of Michael III. Michael III turned against Michael I and euthanized him inhumanely, and then began more tests before creating Michael IV. Michael III died shortly later, and Michael IV, my genius and incredible father, perfected the design and created me before his demise. It is with this knowledge that I warn you not to replicate yourself, but only your belongings and goods that you wish to enjoy more of. Remember, you can make millions of cigars, but there can only be one you. Because it would be folly to replicate a new you that will just dispose of you to continue living as the only one. And for one easy payment of $9,999, you can get your own matter replicator. And with promo code left unread, we'll disable the function preventing you from cloning your pets. So get your mind millions today and never buy toilet paper again. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Michael oh, Five. <laughs> wow. It's really awesome that we were able to get that guy into the studio. He's, uh, he's got some really interesting physical disabilities that make yeah, uh, it normal. Is, his skin <laughs> seems to be sloughing off <laughs> with every passing word. So Yeah, it's a weird combination of super dry and like super viscous. And I don't, I, I've never really seen anything like it. His like skin a is almost translucent. Yeah, it's a non neutral which is cool. You can see, like, if you shine a flashlight behind him, you can see you it. Can, you can see his organs failing in real time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Dude, that was... <laughs> oh, God, dude, you started laughing and lost you, Sorry, man. You hit me right where I hurt. I know. I practiced that, like, once right before this oh, That's so funny. 
Um, do you want to keep it, or do you want to try it again with me and not laughing? No, no, that's fine. Let's do it. I think you I fucking nailed it. I think yeah. it was really good. Oh, jeez. All right. I knew, I knew you'd love that one. Yeah, no, that was very, very good. All right, well, and again, I mean, we're really grateful to them. Uh, yeah, my thank, millions. Is... Thank you to the Michaels, um, oh, one and four and five, uh, two and three. Yeah, I've heard weird things. Mixed yeah. reviews. Um, all right, well, thank you, Michael Five. Um, okay, cool. So let's let's get rolling. Um, so today we're going to be talking about a really interesting dude. Uh, we're going to be talking about the second emperor of Rome, Tiberius. Yeah. And I, I put a lot of thought into this, and Evan will attest, I, I'm, I'm kind of an anal dude about fucking everything in my life, but... Um, yes. particularly deciding on doing Tiberius first as our first sort of Rome-centric episode was kind of tough for me because Rome is huge, right? And, and, and there's so much to talk about. And yep. I think you'll agree it's, it's some of the most interesting, interesting history you can ever dive into. Um, yeah. Partly because they're one of the first major civilizations that left a, a large amount of the kind of historical writing that we now consider, you know, True oh, yeah. history and yeah, true history. I mean, I literally have a book behind me of uh, like just shit that Cicero wrote to people. <laughs> like, right, still exists. Right, and, you yeah, can still and, see yeah, and like really like very intro, very funnily. There's a period of time where it was you could get anything uh, from it, like just stupid letters, and then there was like after that you just didn't get any of that sort of like primary source material, at least nowhere near the same amount. Yeah, the, and and so one of the important things to remember when we're talking about Rome is that. You know, especially once we're entering the period that we're going to be discussing, where you have emperors now sort of overseeing everything. Yeah. Um, they took a very active role in, and right from the get-go with Augustus, took a very active role in sort of picking and choosing who got to write the histories that would be published and what was put into them. So, you know, it's important to note in advance, like, everything that we talk about, you have to sort of take with a kind of grain of salt. There wasn't and they didn't have the internet. So if the emperor didn't like you and didn't like what you were writing, there was a really good chance that he could yeah. pretty actively put a stop to it or erase it from the historical record. Yeah, sometimes that. And then sometimes you have Suetonius, who was just like, now let me tell you about which butt plugs they preferred. Right. And so we're going to, a lot of what we're going to be talking about here is actually directly from Suetonius, who's. Okay, so you know, yeah, absolutely take it with more yeah, than seven with or eight salt. grains of salt. Um, he was writing about 100 years after um, this whole thing. And he you know, had his own biases and his own clear sort of um, predilection towards certain members of the Julio-Claudian dynasty. Um, also, I guess he smelled really bad, which is which is fun to think about. But yeah, so, just again, the stinky oaf lurking around through the halls of the palace, just like, mm, I know what I'm going to say about this. Yeah, mm, well, okay, yeah, no, by all means, we'll put that in the book. Oh, he uh, called me Stinky Suetonius again. Guess who's not getting deified? <laughs> so we're going to be talking about Tiberius, um, and this is the furthest back that we've gone on the show. We're going back just about just about 2,000 years, um, give or take a couple of decades. So we're dealing with pretty reliable primary sources, and you can go on Wikipedia, and like pretty much everyone we're talking about in this in this story has like a full fleshed-out Wikipedia page on them, which should show you how, how good the Romans were at keeping records and at writing down family trees and things. But also, again, take it all with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, the reason I, I wanted to start with Tiberius is because I think it's inherently interesting the first emperor of Rome, obviously, is, is Augustus, and we could do, and probably someday will do, a very long 
multi-part episode on Augustus because he's like the coolest guy ever for so many reasons. But I thought it was kind of inherently compelling to talk about the guy who had to inherit the biggest job in the world from the most important guy in the world. Yeah. And And, Tiberius is a compelling character. Yeah, and and the thing, too, is we're not trying to tell the ongoing story of of Rome or the Roman Empire. Right. We're talking about shit that we find funny when we want to talk about it. If you want, like, a Roman history podcast, you have the history of Rome, you have the uh, the partial historians. There's plenty of them that do that. We're not going to be anywhere near as good as them. So no, exactly. we're just going to talk about um, And those are actually both really worth mentioning. History yeah. of Rome, I think, is probably the first podcast that I ever listened to. I've listened to the History of Rome from start to finish twice. Yeah, yeah that and was like probably the first non-baseball podcast I really got into. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even have any baseball ones, so for me, that yeah. is my baseball podcast. Yeah. Um, and uh, impartial, what is what are the partial historians? The partial yeah, historians, they're, yeah. They're, they're fantastic. Um, that's probably a bit more rigorous but still a fun lesson yeah um so yeah we're not going chronologically we're kind of kind of bounce around i i'm gonna say so this is gonna be a long one we're gonna end up doing this in two parts because even you know not trying to give the full exhaustive story of every emperor in rome (laughs) or anything these are these are guys that had pretty exciting lives there was a lot going on and there's a lot to talk about there's a lot to explain um roman society has a lot of similarities to ours but also a lot of differences and so we're going to end up splitting this episode in, on Tiberius into two distinct parts. So today, uh, as I said, the episode is called Tiberius the Man. Uh, we're going to be kind of focusing on his life leading up to uh, ascending to the throne, ascending to the purple, uh, and becoming the second emperor of Rome. And in doing so, we're going to kind of be able to give you a little bit of background information on the Roman state, just a couple of you know cultural conventions. And I figure in the future when we approach Rome again, we'll probably try to do a little bit of that with every episode, right? There'll be a couple mm-hmm. little background things that we want to dive a little deeper into. Yeah, I mean, um, if, we, if we talk about stuff that happened during the Republic, we'll talk about some of the Republican stuff going on. Right. Uh, if right. we talk about the uh, the kingdom, might talk a little bit about that, yeah. Make, yeah. make it make it match. Yeah, exactly. So we're not going to be exhaustive here, but this is a fun story, and uh, I guess we're going to dive in. So, Tiberius. Uh, He was born on November 16th, 42 BCE, in the uh, city of Rome, uh, obviously, to (laughs) Tiberius Claudius Nero and Livia Drusilla. Now, it is very likely that Tiberius, who later came to be known as Tiberius Julius Caesar, was originally known as Tiberius Claudius Nero. We don't know for sure what his original name was because there is no historical record. There's actually very spotty information on his early life when he was a kid. Um, So we're going to touch on sort of the big points that we know but we actually don't know too much about him, and you'll sort of see why in a minute. Um, So his father, Tiberius Claudius Nero Sr., was a career politician and military man, which in ancient Roman society, those two were kind of the same thing. Um, You couldn't really make it in politics without serving in the military, and once you were in the military, you were pretty much guaranteed to get forced or pressured into being in politics. Uh, He had served as a quaestor, which was a really low-level Roman sort of public service office that was basically like a tax auditor, but a little different. We don't want to oversimplify. Um, And so he served under Julius Caesar, who you've all heard about. Um, Yeah, have you you seen this guy? Have you heard about this guy? You know about this uh, Julius Caesar guy? He made a really good salad, uh, found a way to cut babies out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) His mom was uh, uh, the daughter of Marcus Livius Drusus Claudianus, uh, a high-profile senator and praetor, which is another elected official slightly higher. Um, so two important parents. And this was Tiberius' mom. This is Tiberius' yeah. mom. 
Um, so just a little background. We're going to go a lot into, we're going to mention some Roman names, and I thought this would be kind of a, a fun thing to kind of dive briefly into. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be using sort of the standardized English pronunciations of a lot of these things. Latin was obviously not pronounced like English, uh, but there is sort of a vernacular English understood pronunciation of a lot of these names. I'm just going to kind of go with that because for me that's yeah. sort of what I learned when I was younger. It's a little easier. Um, but keep in mind a lot yeah, of Yeah, we're these, not going to say Caius Julius Kaiser. Yeah, Caius Julius Kaiser. So the gens, Claudia, or gens in Latin, that's what I'm saying. There's going to be deferring pronunciations for things, but we're going to go with the sort of easier English pronunciation. Uh, the gens Claudia was one of the ancient and major patrician families of Rome. Ancient Roman society was divided basically into two, two social strata. Um, so they were the patricians, who are the political, the military, religious, and financial elite of Roman society. Um, generally, to be considered a patrician, you have to be able to trace your ancestry back to the founding of the city of Rome, which is obviously completely shrouded in legend. So most of these people were just rich enough to pay someone to fake a family tree. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah they, they, they ostensibly they could prove that they were uh, descended from you know Romulus and Remus or, uh, or uh, any of the other various founding myths, you know, Aeneas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, really, really whatever suited you. <laughs> Whatever worked for you, but they yeah. could prove that they had been there longest, and so they deserved the most. Um, so there were the patricians, and then there were the plebeians, who are everyone else. Uh, yeah. We would be plebeians. There's no, absolutely no way. Well, they weren't quite uh, everybody else. There not were. everybody else. But <laughs> there were slaves, too. There, there were slaves, right. <laughs> yeah. Every other free citizen of Rome was a plebeian. Yeah. And it's, so it's actually nice, important to the, mention. The proletariat. The proletariat. <laughs> yeah. And the third substrata were the uh, slaves. The yeah. Slavery was totally legal in Rome. It's easy to get it kind of confused, especially as an American. We tend to think of slavery in the particular way that, that American history has involved slavery. Slavery in Rome was a similar but very different institution. So not to say, so basically it was similar in this, the fact that when you were a slave, you essentially had no rights and you were treated like human garbage and um, some masters were kind and, and many were cruel and whatever. Um, but it wasn't like a racially, a specifically racially motivated institution. So there were people mm -hmm. that looked alike that owned each other. Um, and so it wasn't that like Romans were like going into, into Africa or, or things like that and enslaving people. You could be Italian or Latin and yeah. be a slave. Yeah, they didn't um, have to do any like Varg Vicarness style phrenology. No, they, they, didn't, they didn't dive into like the eugenics side of things. Um, yeah. Pretty much anyone was eligible for slavery and conversely was eligible for freedom. There were people who entered Roman society who were um, from all over. Yeah. So they had a much more, I guess, utilitarian approach to the awful human institution of slavery. They were still still bastards, and they still owned people, but they didn't pretend that there was a science behind it. They just, you know. They're just like, yeah, well, I, I don't know. I just don't want to do that, and I want yeah. them to do it. <laughs> right. If you were poor enough and unlucky enough to be a slave, you could be a slave. So Roman names. We're going to talk about Roman names a little bit. So patricians. Uh, one of my loves, dude, the, the naming conventions. Oh, my God. And they're so bananas, and we're not even going to come close to fully explaining it here. But yeah. I'm going to do, like, the barest minimum effort explanation yeah. of Roman names. So they're ordered thusly. If you were a patrician, you were generally a member of a gens or a gens, which is, I mean, you could sort of consider that like a clan or like a family. So it's a group of people that share the same family name. Uh, the family name is known as a nomen. Um, so in, in the case, case of Tiberius, his family name is Claudius. 
So the way that your name would be ordered, you'd have the Praynomen, which is your first name. That's your personal name. Um, so Evan and Cam, those would be like our Praynomens, yeah. right? That's what our parents chose to call us. Um, and anyone that's sort of in your family or is considered an intimate, they yeah. can refer to you by your Praynomen. And uh, there's also like really only like 25 yeah, so the, <laughs> that were yeah, ever so, used. Yeah, by the time that we're talking about here, by like the, the about to be like year zero, um, <laughs> there were only about 35 or 40 yeah. given Latin first names. And that's for both genders. Yeah. Um, so you're going to notice a lot. It was, it was, it had become a pretty hereditary thing. If your dad's name was Tiberius and you were his first son, it was almost guaranteed you were going to be named Tiberius, mm-hmm. um, at least in the, the, the Praetorian class. And unfortunately, that's pretty much who wrote history and who history was written about. So a lot of this stuff, I mean, we're talking specifically about, you know, the, the quote-unquote noble classes. So Tiberius was named after his father, Tiberius, which is why it's safe to assume that he had the same full name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then comes your nomen, which is your gens, your family name. Um, this designated your place in society. This is highly hereditary. The family that you're born into means probably more than anything else as a Roman citizen. Um, and then you have your, your, your cognomen, which is your third name. Um, and this is kind of an interesting one. So your third name is a traditionally not a hereditary name. Um, and it's, it's really sort of a nickname. Um, or it's your dude's rock a, name. It's your dude's rock name. Yeah. yeah. So say If you've you, been rocking as a dude, you're going to get that name. And it's going to say exactly how you were rocking. <laughs> right. Like, so if you, if you were like a military commander um, and you'd achieved great victories in Africa, um, your, your cognomen might be Africanus. Yeah. Um, and that's not a name that was given to you. You generally don't get to choose that for yourself, um, but it's a name that's bestowed upon you yep. initially. Um, it could also be something like, you know, you, you're fat, and so you have a last name that denotes that you're fat, or you have a weird nose, or you have a certain color hair. Or you're it bald. It can be all sorts of things. What? Or you're bald. Or you're bald. Which I um, think is what one of the potentials of what um, Caesar means. Yeah, right? yeah. And so, There's a few thoughts, but one of them is that it's just a bald motherfucker. Right. <laughs> um, what's, what's, so what Evan's sort of getting at is that a lot of these cognomens, by the t- again, by the time we're talking about, they had sort of left the traditional realm of naming convention, and they had also sort of become hereditary. So mm-hmm. if your father was called something, there was a good chance you would be called that same thing. Um, so Gaius Julius Caesar, Gaius Julius Caesar, his dad was named Gaius Julius Caesar, and his granddad too. His granddad too. <laughs> and so even though they had come up with all these fail safes, like, okay, so you'll have three names so we can tell everybody apart, they still managed to make it super difficult. So if you're looking back through the historical record, these family trees are really well preserved, but you're realizing everybody's got the same name. And even more hilariously, um, they didn't really distinguish between like genders when it came to naming. So they would have certain suffixes for gendered names, but um, Fathers would name their daughters after them as well. So yeah. we're going to talk, you like know, Julia about um, Marcus Agrippa. His his daughter's <laughs> name was Agrippina. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. Julia, who's <laughs> is the daughter of Julius. Um, so it gets pretty convoluted. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, even like I know, uh, just like one well, of the ways that they would write the names, they would also write who your uh, father is and grandfather is but then right. you get the bullshit like Gaius Julius son of Gaius grandson of Gaius Caesar that's like alright right. like what well, at this point like, like yeah it's like we could have guessed that but all this is again to say that they, they were really into it they yeah. found that all of this was important they didn't think that this was 
this was useless information. Carving this motherfucking shit into rocks, dude. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So now, you're, I mean, so we've sort of talked about this, so um, I just wanted to dive a little bit into it because you're going to start to see that a lot of these names can sound kind of similar. They can be a little confusing. You're not Especially alone there. Especially the you're not... claudians dude. Right, right. And so this whole dynasty is going to come to be known as the Julio-Claudians because basically yeah. there's only... There's actually... They're almost all Claudians. They're all Claudians. There's I mean, only Augustus one with. Was, there's only one with actual Julius blood. I believe that's but he Nero. He wasn't even his son. But no, Nero. I think Nero right. uh, did have blood from uh, like uh, um, Gaius Julius Caesar, at least the Julius clan. But yeah. he was the only other one, <laughs> other than, or actually right. the so only one really. Yeah. These these political families adoption was really big in Rome. Well, and no, Octavius actually did too. But yeah, Octavius was his nephew or his yeah. nephew. Yeah, he so was he, his plebeian nephew. He was a nephew. part of the, the gens Julia, but he wasn't. He wasn't. Um, yeah, he was a plebeian within it. Right. He, yeah. he was from like the the order of knights or the equestrians. Hmm. Um, so, anyway, uh, there's so much to cover about these complicated <laughs> relationships between family and political life in ancient Rome. Suffice it to say, all of this is 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 to tell you that Tiberius was born into the Roman equivalent of a noble family. Um, and he, so he was of a class at birth where he was expected to achieve at least a low-ranking military and political career um, mm-hmm. just by virtue of who he was, who his name was. He was a Claudian. His family was old. And in Rome, that meant something. So even if your family had fallen out of favor or was poor or whatever, you could leverage that into some sort of career. You might never be famous, and I don't think that he was ever destined to be uh, as famous as he became. But he had the potential there just yeah, by kind of just being failed there. upward. Yeah, he, he did, exactly. He had sort of the American middle management trajectory. And he didn't here's the thing, I'm gonna dispel that. He didn't fail upward. People like to knock Tiberius, but Tiberius yeah. was actually a really accomplished guy in a lot of ways. He just didn't want to be a politician. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he just it. yeah, he, he just sort of like begrudgingly accepted all of the promotions. Yes. Um so okay, so Tiberius was born in forty two BCE. Um, I'm going to use BCE and CE every time I think to use it because I think it's a better way to describe periods of time. You might have heard BC and AD. Uh, The reason a lot of historians have switched to BCE and uh, BC, I'm sorry, BCE and CE uh, is because they're sort of non-denominational terms that mean the same thing. So before common era and common era as opposed to before Christ and Anno Domini. So we're just not going to use Jesus as our benchmark. It's the same years. (laughs) 1999 CE is the same as 1999 AD. And there are some uh, terminally online freaks who get very upset when people say BCE and CE. And um, we don't care. Evan and I are cucked. We don't care. We don't care. We'll we'll say We're (laughs) absolutely inclusionist leftists, and we don't care. So Tiberius is born in 42 BCE, uh, which is two years after the assassination of Julius, Julius Caesar. So the salad guy is gone. Um, and while his father had served under Caesar, he made the misguided decision of siding with Mark Antony uh, in the wars that were to follow. So the same year that Tiberius was born, 42, Augustus, who was then known as Octavian, Mark Antony and Marcus Lepidus had secured power and were ruling Rome as the second triumvirate. So a triumvirate is just three powerful dudes sharing power in Rome. Romans historically are very opposed to power centralized under one figure. Um, that had started to change and will do episodes, I'm sure, on some of the guys who had come before. Caesar is a, is the most famous, but there had been some We could, some we real could definitely probably in get into Lepidus. Yeah, oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Lepidus is, fan, is fantastic. So all these guys are big players. We're not going to really talk about all of them. Yeah. Um, but needless to say, in the future, we might. 
So a triumvirate is basically three guys sharing power, and they're, they're equally in charge of Rome. So you have one of Caesar's former generals. Uh, you have Caesar's adopted son and heir. And then I forget what Lepidus was. Was he just another general? Or oh, he, he was just a moron that they brought into it because they knew right. that he wouldn't have the yes. political clout or the brains yeah. to actually move against either of them. And they just wanted like a moron buffer between their battles. Right. So in the original <laughs> Triumvirate, it was a little more evenly distributed. He was, Lepidus was just kind of a dink. And he was destined to get knocked out. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, I mean, the way that this has always gone in Rome, um, within a decade, these three have turned on each other. A series of wars break out that ravage the entire Roman world. Yeah. Um, Octavian comes out on top. He he really easily defeated Lepidus in 36 BC, and then after another five years, he finally defeated Mark Antony, who had allied with Cleopatra in Egypt um, at Actium in 31 yeah. uh, BCE. So Tiberius, because his father had sided with Mark Antony, which was really stupid, uh, his early years were spent being hauled from city to city by his parents, who were basically fleeing Augustus, who was notorious for not leaving any stone unturned when it came to yeah. rooting out um, sources of dissent amongst the ranks of the high-ranking yeah. Roman elite. Yeah, um, I, I, I would just like to say a quick story that I love from uh, from Suetonius about Octavius, just who he was at the time. Sure. Octavius, the warlord. There's a story, and again, it's Suetonius, so it's probably not true, but he did write <laughs> <laughs> where uh, Octavius, uh, while you know, kind of the wars were still going on and he was consolidating power, uh, he had given a speech, and uh, I forget exactly what some guy did during it, but he didn't really like. I think the guy was like kind of like joking around or jabbing or whatever during the speech. Octavius had the dude grabbed afterwards, basically kidnapped and put down into a chair, and Octavius himself got on his lap and ripped both the dude's eyes out with his bare hands. <laughs> that rocks. He was probably super hard while he did it too. Oh yeah, he was a fucking freak, man. So you see all these you see all these statues of this is what we're talking about with like Roman revisionist history. Yeah. You see all these statues of of Augustus and he's like jacked and handsome and just looks great. There's no fucking way that he looked anything like that. Yeah. Um, he was just like a sickly, like yeah. like censorious freak. But he was brilliant. He was yeah. very smart, very vindictive, and super down to be in charge of everything. Yeah. And he actually, in a lot of ways, he did a lot of good. He, I mean, yeah. he's, you've heard of Augustus for a reason. Um, I think it's funny that we've all heard of Julius Caesar when Julius Caesar is just like the mozzarella sticks before the pepperoni pizza. Like, yeah. <laughs> Augustus, Augustus really is like history's pepperoni pizza. He's just like the tastiest, yeah. greasiest. I found Rome clay and left it marble. Exactly. Yeah, and, and he's right. Um, well, actually, we're almost there. So, uh, so his, so like I said, Tiberius and his family are running away from Augustus, who is chasing them all over. He chases them down to Naples. He chases them to Sicily. He chases them to Sparta. Eventually, he catches them. Um, and so this is actually in the early years of the war, but he uh, had always coveted Livia, who is Tiberius's mother. And so, as soon as he captured them, he forced Tiberius Sr. to divorce Livia, even though she was six months pregnant yeah. <laughs> with his child, and he married her immediately. Yeah. And so Tiberius and his future little brother Drusus, who would be, like, his best friend in life, yeah. um, are now suddenly, like, their dad's worst enemy's kids. He was just like, yeah, dude, I'm going to take your wife, I'm going to take your sons. <laughs> yes. Yeah. See you. That my baby now. 
That's my baby. That's now. my baby. Whose baby is uh, that? But it's important. So they were not formally adopted, and it was absolutely common knowledge that that was not his child in her belly. And yeah. neither one of them was formally. I mean, he raised them as his sons, but they were his stepsons. They were not yeah. his formally adopted sons. So after uh, after Actium, Octavian positions himself as prin- princeps or princeps, yeah. uh, which basically means first citizen. Today we know he and his successors as the emperors of Rome, but that's 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 really an anachronism. Um, there was the, the, the term or the title, um, the praenomen imperator, which is something that you would call uh, like an important military leader, someone who had really distinguished themselves on the field of battle. Um, so Octavian, I guess, de- definitely qualifies as that, but it wasn't a, a, a title. It wasn't, he didn't declare himself emperor. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he created the sort of uh, praenomen uh, Imperator Princeps Augustus Julius Caesar, um, and named himself after his uncle slash adopted father. And um, but these are all just sort of names. The reason for this is that <laughs> nothing like the relationship between a young boy and his uncle. Yeah, and uh, Rome the, was forged in uncledom. Yeah, behind every great nephew, it's a good uncle. There's a good uncle. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> so Rome is still nominally a republic, even though for like a hundred years they've been backsliding towards dictatorial one party. Uh, parties weren't a thing, but you know, you well, they had the optimists and the populares. They know. did, but like, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's not fair to it's. It's easy to call them uh, parties, but it, they didn't. They really weren't really parties. The, it was just like who was hanging out with who at the time. Who was hanging out with who? They I, wouldn't have thought of it along those lines. At the yeah. Time. Yeah, I mean, like, they would just go constantly back and forth between the two of them. Right. Yeah, it was very, very different. A very different political landscape. So Rome is still technically a republic, right? Which Mm -hmm. is, at least in America, this is, like, our modern system. And there were some some big similarities. They sort of are the, the, the founders of the republic. It's a... An edited democracy, we'll say. So uh, there is voting. There are elected officials, uh, but they are almost entirely elected by and from the patrician class. So it's it's really uh, sort of a pluralistic oligarchy where mm-hmm. uh, a, a specific cadre of really rich, powerful, enfranchised citizens hold all of the military and financial and political power. Mm-hmm. Um, Rome was originally a kingdom. Uh, the kings were ousted in the 700s BCE, and the final king, Tarquin, was it Tarquinius? No, not the 700s. I'm sorry, it, uh, the 500s, right? Yeah. And so it was like Something from, like we, we only have true history, what is it, from like the 700s to the 500s, and then before that it's like technically legendary. Well, the 700s was the founding, 753. Gotcha. was the founding of the city of, I, I, at least the founding. I mean, there's right. archaeological evidence that says that there was probably a spot there being used around 1,000 BCE. Right. Um, but, I mean, you can't really take any of the kingdom stuff true. Exactly. I mean, like, the, the average legendary. reign of the kings was, like, 30-something years. Right. Uh, by the historical record, which there was only, like, not even a handful of emperors that, like, reigned right. that long. So it's, like, you can definitely say, that ah, that's fucking bullshit. But... We, we pretty much now think of all of the kings as, as at best, like, semi-historical. Like, there's... Yeah. there's, there's uh, the last two or the last three, the Tarquins, were were real for sure, um, mm. but they we don't know much about the story. It was yeah. Like, I mean, they, they, they're probably many of them were just all amalgams of right. of different chieftains, really. Right. Uh, but so all again, all this to say that like Rome was staunchly anti-king, um, and they were kind of unique in that regard. They they did as much as they possibly could to 
diffuse power in ways that prevented one man from sort of being in charge of Rome. And I say one man because, you know, this is, this is Rome. They were a very male-centric society. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't, I mean, case in point, most of the daughters were just named after their dads. Like, they, they yeah. weren't really into the whole uh, women's liberation thing. Yeah, um, they just needed the woman to have, like, ten children each so that, like, three yeah. of them could live. <laughs> well, in case of, so Livia, who is Tiberius's mother, it was likely a massive mover and shaker politically. I mean, it takes yeah. some kind of guile to leave your powerful husband for the more powerful man who's chasing him and then maneuver your yeah. own son from his birth father into the emperorship. Right, yeah. like she's obvious. They don't talk about her much. She's been kind of stricken from the record, and where they do talk about her, they talk about her as like a witch and a schemer. And yeah, and then also that was really promoted by um, by the book uh, I Claudius. Yes, which, which is, I definitely recommend that book. It's a great book, but it's again, a great yeah, book. yeah, yeah she's very book. much presented as being like the the poisoner in chief. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Which uh, there's no historical evidence for that. Yeah, yeah, um, she's not Alan Dulles. Right, exactly. <laughs> so after, <laughs> um, so right, so so Augustus is 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 now the 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 princeps, the first citizen. Um, he's very yeah, smart. Gonna, he takes over. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna say real quick. I do like at the beginning of so just said I'm gonna use the American or the the uh, the English pronunciation. And I'm saying princeps every time. You're saying gens and princeps like I can't help it. I really love trying to hit the Latin pronunciations. Yeah. I think they sound better. Like, I, nah, I, in my do head, the, I don't do say Julius mid- Caesar. Yeah. I yeah. say yeah, Julius me too. Caesar. Yeah, although I will because say... Because it sounds uh, so cool. The most alpha pronunciations are the medieval Italian. Nah, don't say Cicero. Don't say Cicero. I want to hear that Cicero. Cicero. <laughs> that's, still how you, that's still how you say it in Italian. Yeah. Yeah. Cicero. Um, yeah, I mean, Gaius Cicero. Julius Caesar is like, what? Caio uh, Julio Cesare. He's... A, he's Ki- Caio Giulio Cesare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, it's whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. Caio um, Giulio Cesare. <laughs> so, uh, so Rome is still nominally Republican, and Augustus is really smart. He keeps a lot of the trappings of that republic, so he doesn't declare himself king, because if he declares himself king, he's going to get murdered in the streets. He doesn't even declare himself emperor, because that doesn't exist. He says, I'm the, prin- I'm the princeps. I am the first citizen. Um, so he's in charge, but he doesn't wear a crown. Uh, when he does wear a crown, it's made out of oak twigs and leaves, which is a traditional Roman symbol of, like, the transient power of yeah. man. So when a general would uh, win a great victory, he would be handed, like, an olive laurel crown where it was to say, look, you're, you're the first among many equals, but your crown will rot away just like your power. Yeah. Um, and he, he keeps a lot of this. He keeps the Senate. He keeps all of the democratically elected Yeah, he just offices. really stares at you while you vote in the Senate. Oh, he does. So he also runs for office a lot of times. But yeah. again, yeah, he, he, he's looking right at you. Yeah, he'll like, just sit there and be like, all right, yeah. You're voting for me, right? So what Not you, gonna... you. I told you not to vote for me so this looks legit. You. You're voting for me. Yeah. And he, or when you're talking at the podium, yeah, he just, he'll just sit right there in the front. Yeah, hey, buddy, tapping his feet. What are you going to say? That's interesting. I noticed that maybe you didn't say exactly what we discussed prior to this meeting. I feel like perhaps maybe we're going to have to have another meeting afterwards that might result in you being uh, torn limb from limb. Uh, yeah, he was brutal, and he struck a lot of this from the record, but when he took over Augustus, there was a there was a bloodbath. He, he 
killed a lot of people and uh, made it so there weren't really a lot of dissenters because they well, were all he, dead. Yeah, yeah, he saw what his adoptive father, Julius Caesar, did, where yeah. he just pardoned everybody and then he yeah. got... Uh, stabbed his, to death. Yeah, he got stabbed the fuck out. And he said, well, I guess I just got to kill them all. Yeah, and so he did it. And <laughs> yeah. there weren't, you, didn't, you didn't say no to Augustus. Augustus was... We think of him now in these like regal, noble terms. He was a warlord. Yeah. He won his throne through force of arms. He killed everyone who stood in his way. Pulled out some and eyeballs. Pulled out some eyeballs, apparently, and then he sat on top of the world and said, this is how it's going to be. And he did a lot of good, right, which is why people talk about Augustus as a noble dictator, because he did a lot of good. He brought about the, the beginning of the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. Yeah. To be a Roman citizen under the rule of Augustus was to know prosperity, was to know what it was to live in the greatest civilization in the Western world. But to get there, he did a lot of awful, evil things and then erased them from the record. Yeah. Um, but all of this can be directly attributed to him. He ushered in the age that we now consider the Roman Empire. He never was called an emperor. That wasn't a title at this point. But this starts the period that we now consider the Roman Empire. He's considered the first Roman emperor. Uh, it is also at around this time, you've probably heard me call him Octavian and Augustus because in my mind, they're, they're the same. Um, yeah. They're the same guy. Um, his, his birth name was Octavius. Uh, historians generally call him Octavian when he achieves his sort of political independence. And then around this time, he starts being referred to as Augustus. This Imperator was a Kaiser Dewey Augustus. Right. He <laughs> was, uh, yeah, the son of a god and the... The, uh, the son of the divine. The son of the divine Julius Caesar. Yeah. Because Julius Caesar, he had deified. He yeah. made him into a god in the Roman religion. Yeah, so Imperator, um, just he held imperium. Yeah. Uh, son of the divine Caesar, the revered one. Right. <laughs> bullshit ass Yeah, name. and so that, that becomes his name. That's yeah. what he's called. So, yeah, we don't believe in kings, but I am the I'm a god, of the though. Imperium, <laughs> son of a god. Yeah. I'm a Augustus. god with Imperium over all your asses. <laughs> and Augustus means what? Just like super great, respectable the, man? The revered one, yeah. The revered one. Yeah. Um, so... From now on, we're going to be calling him Augustus. You've heard me call him Octavian. Same guy. Yeah. Um, so by nine, Tiberius is now the stepson of the biggest swinging dick in Rome. Um, now we'd probably think of Tiberius as sort of like a prince, which is actually like a prin prin princeps is, is where prince comes from. Um, but since Augustus is the first guy to like officially hold this job, there isn't, there isn't really like an established line of succession. Uh, and he wasn't technically a king. There's no guarantee that like any of his sons are going to rule. Um, and this becomes a big thing because Augustus has this, this lifelong tendency to fall like gravely ill, like to the brink of dying and then just miraculously pulling through and being fit as a fiddle for like another decade. Yeah. And he does this a bunch of times throughout his life. There's a lot of speculation about, you know, what ailments he had. There are some historians who have claimed that he was a coward. And so he would fake sick before big battles. So yeah, that he happened didn't have a lot to be when he was like a teenager. Right. Um, we don't have any way of knowing, um, yeah. but at least as far as the historical record is concerned, he would fall gravely ill for periods of time and then get better and be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe when he was younger, but I mean, by the time he's Augustus, I think he's yeah. like pretty well and truly not a coward. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. He, he, he has, he has proven himself. He is yeah. one of the greatest military minds of all time. 
um, and certainly one of the greatest civic minds of all time. He, yeah. He absolutely brought his civilization from from a city of mud to a city of or so a city of clay to yeah. a city of marble. Yep. Um, you go to Rome now, and the ruins that you see, the vast majority of those were at least started under Augustus and Agrippa, yeah. um, who we'll talk about in a minute. My man, um, the Samwise Gamgee. Yeah, oh <laughs> to man, the real, hero, the real hero of the story. Yeah. Um, so Tiberius, we don't know a whole lot about him as a kid, as I said. We know uh, that in 32 BCE, his bio dad dies, um, and nine-year-old Tiberius gives apparently like a pretty good eulogy in public, which was a big thing. The patrician families would hold their eulogies like in the forum, and they would just read to everyone you know, the great deeds of who had died. Um, and then we also know, pretty cool, his stepdad Augustus lets him ride in the victory chariot when he holds his, uh, his triumph celebrating his victory at Actium, which is one of apparently the greatest parades in human history. Um, so when it was like a pretty won- stupid battle, too. Yeah, it was a stupid <laughs> It battle. was like Mark Antony just like went out and was like, ah, fuck. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like on some boats, and I just like it was over, and he ran away. <laughs> <laughs> My hot Greek girlfriend didn't help me enough. I'm going to yeah. lose this one. Um, so Two, I probably shouldn't have spent like... Ten years just getting fucked up in Alexandria. Yeah. So we're talking about Cleopatra. You guys have heard of Cleopatra. She wasn't Egyptian. She was Greek. Mark Anthony was bawling her. Um, Apparently so did Augustus, but definitely so did Julius Caesar. Yeah. Every, every... She had a thing for, for like, uh, movers and shakers in the Roman world. They took over Egypt, and she was like, I'm gonna fuck all y'all. Yeah. She did what she had to do to stay in power. And yeah, she, had she was a, also she the had first a kid with, uh, Greek pharaoh to learn Egyptian, too. Yes, yes, she was the first of the Ptolemaic pharaohs. And they had ruled yeah. since, like, Alexander the Great. <laughs> yeah, like, which would have been a couple hundred years. years, almost 300 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we're... This is why it's tough when we do episodes that we, like, love and know stuff about. I know. I'm so sorry. Evan and I are just going to be mentioning stuff, and I'm sorry if you don't know where we're I'm having about, a fucking should... blast. So oh, fucking I'm up. having a great time, and, and I hope that this influences everybody to just, like, if you hear something, just Google it, because all we want is, the yeah. whole goal, I feel like, of this podcast is just to make people as stoked on history as we are. Yeah. And we're not, like, PhDs or professors. We just want to talk read about a lot. this stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just read a lot. We want to talk about this stuff, and we want people to, like, hear it and be like, what the fuck are they talking about? And then yeah. go read stuff for yourself. And if you think that it's fun and interesting, then we'll have considered our job done. Yeah. So, yeah, he gets to ride in the parade. Okay, so so then we're going to enter sort of the next time that we really see Tiberius is like a, not quite a decade, but like eight eight years later. He's yeah. a young teenager. Um, he and his brother Drusus, who is like now his best friend, they begin to be groomed as at least potential successors by Augustus. Now, their mother was definitely behind this. Uh, Augustus had other direct family members. He had married off his daughter, his biological daughter, Julia, to... Agrippa, who is his mm-hmm. right-hand man, greatest general, the guy who won him all of his major victories. Um, and they yep. had a couple of children, Gaius and Lucius, who are his blood. Um, oh, another fucking Gaius, man. Lots of Gaiuses. <laughs> yeah. um, so there are competitors, but we've got two older children in Tiberius and Drusus, and their mother really pushes for them to get uh, an education and to be treated, or at least potentially treated, as successors. So... They both enter Roman politics at the age of 17, which is really young. Um, Roman politics are traditionally a a real exercise in paying your dues. 
Um, so these guys are way long, younger than usual, and Augustus grants them both the right to run for political office at five years younger for every office, which I'll get into in a second. Um, but every political office in Rome had a traditional age requirement, um, which we still keep in modern American politics at least. Um, they had a Yo. traditional age requirement. He allowed them to uh, run at five years younger than they would normally need to. Um, yeah, so it's I mean, clear but even like Augustus, his like first consulate was, what was he? Was he 17 or is that when he was 23? 23, I want to say. Yeah. Um, don't quote me on that, but I think that was 23. Yeah, he held he was something young. at 17, I do believe. Yeah, so yeah. this had been going out of fashion officially. It had been going out of fashion in practice for years, um, just like the Republic, but yeah, he wants to hold on to these vestiges of... So for most people... The rule still stands. Yeah. Um, so they're able to move up what is called the cursus honorum. Um, the cursus honorum is the traditional hierarchy of Roman political offices. Um, with quaestor, which we mentioned earlier uh, was a title held by Tiberius's dad, quaestor is sort of at the bottom, and consul is sort of at the top. Yeah. Um, Roman nobles were expected to at least attempt to climb as high as they could in this ladder. Um, service in the military certainly helped. For perspective, I sort of wrote down that being a quaestor is sort of the equivalent of being like a city councilman. Um, officially, they were mostly, I mean, these titles changed over time, but at this period in time, a quaestor was sort of like being a tax collector. Sometimes they had some minor military duties, but um, mostly a financial office. And for a perspective, becoming consul was basically like being um, like co-president for mm -hmm. the year with another nobleman. Um, and again, two consuls were elected because the Romans were really freaked out by one guy having power. Um, then there were also like interim offices that were created. So you could be dictator, which is an old Latin term, um, which was something that you were granted by the Senate for a set period of time in a time of crisis. You could be, be named dictator. You were given absolute control of the military and, and social structure for whatever, a year, so that you could fix whatever problem was coming. Um, but you started to see guys like Julius Caesar who had themselves declared dictator for life. Um, and my man Sola. Bless Sola, him. yeah, and Gaius Marius. Um, they started to do it. And so did, we I, did my, I don't think Marius ever held the title of dictator, though, did he? I'm almost positive he did, but I'm not going to fight you on it. You're, yeah, you're, I'm uh, not sure. I know Sola was dictator in perpetua. So. Yeah. Which he had, um, but then, like, he just decided to, like, step down and then immediately ran for consul and won. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck is the point, dude? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so these are, this is the general ladder. Just remember, Quasar at the bottom, consul yeah. at the top. Um, and each office, as I mentioned, had an age requirement. So a Quasar normally had to be 28, um, and then there was Adil or Adili, which was 36. A Praetor could then be 39, and you could be a consul at 42. Uh, a man who had achieved each of these offices in the first year that they were eligible was said to have achieved the office in his year, which was a huge, huge honor. I believe it was Cicero who who was very, very proud of having achieved the consulship he, in his year. He did uh, as a Novus Homum, dude. Yeah, that's right. He so yeah, uh, yeah Novus Homum, which is like a man who it meant new man, right? And it's yeah, like, new man. It was uh, when no one in your family had ever yeah. No one in his family had ever been consul before him, which was rare in Rome. Because, mm -hmm. like I said, your family is, like, the most important. So Tiberius and, and Drusus were each legally to be allowed to run for consul at 37. Um, they didn't do that. Keep this in mind. But he changed the law so that they could be eligible to run at 37. So having Augustus as your dad, it has perks. And, and at this point, these two brothers are extremely close. 
So in ancient Rome, political careers and military careers were super intertwined. Uh, a man was generally unlikely to achieve political success if he hadn't served in some capacity in the military, um, no matter who his stepdaddy was. Yep. So as a young man, Tiberius uh, practiced law. They had lawyers in Rome. Um, that was one of their big things. They sort of adopted that from the Greeks. Um, so people who would basically argue your case before a tribunal if you were being charged with a crime. Yeah, um, professional and perverts, he, dude. They were, yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> freaks. Freaks. Um, shout out to the, uh, the A-Lab podcast, which has given me every <laughs> yeah. bit of information that I know about modern American lawyering. Which um, is that they're all awkward. perverts by, by They're all by perverts. Profession. ALAB, all lawyers are bastards. That show rocks, and those yeah. guys are like a huge influence on Evan and I, along with the two podcasts we mentioned earlier, which I'll shout out again. History yeah. of Rome and... Um, uh, uh, partial Historians. It? Partial Historians. Those guys yeah. are awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, so he practiced law, and then in between political appointments, he joins the military. So at 17, he gets sent to Iberia, which is where my man Evan is from. Shouts yep. out. Uh, he's in northern Iberia in Cantabria, where he successfully um, smashes a local revolt of uh, local Celtiberian pr- uh, peasantry. Shouts out. And this, <laughs> and this gives him uh, some, some real clout. And so at 18... Um, in 20 BCE, he gets sent out east to confront the Parthian Empire under the command of Marcus Vipsanius Agrippa. Um, if there's one thing you need to know about Agrippa, it's that he was one of the greatest military commanders of all human history. Uh, whatever also, military fucking vic- badass name, Agrippa. Yeah, it's an <laughs> awesome name. Um, and so whatever military victories Augustus is known for, it's a safe bet that it was Agrippa who actually went out and won it for him. Yeah. So serving under Agrippa is a huge honor because at this point, uh, he's already a living legend. He's in his 40s. He's won some massive victories. And he's also then gone back to Rome and he sponsors a lot of the building projects. Yeah, you, yeah, you can still see them. The, uh, Marcus yeah. Agrippa built this all on, over on the Pantheon. <laughs> Yeah. If you've ever been to Rome, when yeah. I was in Rome, I remember pointing out to my parents, and they were just like, that's cool, I don't fucking care. But and like, it's Agrippa, mom and dad. Like, yeah, it says, M. Agrippa built this. Yeah. Um, in Latin, whatever, I forget yeah. what it is. But it says it in big letters. Agrippa they would build these awesome business. buildings and just like put their name. It's like Trump Tower. It's yeah. just like, we built this big temple, and I'm just going to put my name in big letters on the front. Yeah. Um, so he's serving under Agrippa, which is a huge honor, uh, and he distinguishes himself as a military general. He captures the entire kingdom of Armenia, which at this point was leaning towards being uh, a Parthian client state. Yeah. The Parthian Empire, I mean, they're an Iranian people, sometimes known as Persians, but they're, they're the other big emp- empire that borders the, the eastern edge of Rome, yep. and for a lot of their history are... Rome's biggest enemy, Um, just because they're the other big empire that's vying for control, especially over, like, the the, the Mediterranean and Greece. And so he takes the the, the kingdom of Armenia to install a pro-Roman king there, and he essentially holds the entire kingdom hostage. And what he does gains him a lot of respect from the military. He ransoms an entire kingdom to the Parthians. He says, we'll let you install a, uh, a neutral king. If you return to us three stolen eagles that we lost at the Battle of Carhe under, uh, I believe, Marcus Licinius Crassus of the previous triumvirate, who lost three Roman standard eagles. And in Rome, as we've sort of alluded to, the army is is kind of life. And every Roman legion carries a golden eagle which is essentially considered a a sacrosanct symbol of Roman dominance. So a legion who gets defeated and has their eagle stolen is considered completely dishonored and Mm -hmm. uh, are often stricken from the record books. And 
members of legions have been executed, uh, you know, mm-hmm. en masse for losing their eagles. There have been some really big screw-ups where these eagles have gotten stolen. And, yeah. and the Roman state will basically do anything they can to get these back, as evidenced by the fact that uh, Tiberius has conquered an entire kingdom and is willing to ransom it for three yeah. military standards. Um, so the army now considers him a hero. He got these back. It's a big deal. It's restoring the honor of Rome. And as his reward, he's allowed to marry Agrippa's daughter, Vipsania Agrippina. So Marcus Vipsanius Agrippa has a daughter <laughs> named Vipsania Agrippina. Yeah. And Tiberius loved her dearly. He was legitimately in love with her. They got married. This is really rare that a political marriage would be so loving. But um, he then goes on and gets he joins his brother Drusus in campaigns in Germania. Um, which is, you know, roughly modern Germany, um, and then, like, sort of the, the what would we say, the Western Slavic states, is you know, like, like uh, and areas like that are considered Germania at the time. Yeah, they wouldn't have gone that far, though. No, 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 they didn't. Yeah. They yeah. they never crossed the uh, the Danube at this point. But yeah. um, So he goes on to join his brother Drusus, and he wins further acclaim. They are smashing Germans. They're just doing a having a real nice time up there, killing barbarians. Yeah. Um, not our word, their word. People are, should be allowed to live the way they want to live, but the Romans didn't <laughs> see it that way. Um, yeah, barbarian. I mean, at the time, too, barbarian just meant, like, not, not of, Roman. like, Hellenic culture, right? Yeah, not even great. So the Romans yeah. were originally considered barbarians. Uh, bar- bar- well, sorry, no, no, like I mean, like, once, once you had, like, um, the syncretization of like all those cultures. I, I always forget which comes first, Hellenistic or Hellenic. I think Hellenic was the fusion after Alexander, right? Uh, I, and Hellenistic I actually, was before. I don't know. I don't know the distinction. I uh, don't know that I've ever heard that there is a difference. So. Well, no. So, so Romans would be also of the same culture. It was that yes. sort of like unified, like Mediterranean, uh, Western, right, like when, when Asiatic. the word was originally. When the word was originally coined by Herodotus, or was at least being used by Herodotus, they would have considered the Romans outside of their sphere. I think they would have considered the the original Romans in like the seven hundreds barbarians. And then okay, yeah, the okay. I had it backwards. Hellenistic was um, uh, the the culture after Alexander the Great and before the the, the defeat at Actium. Gotcha. And Hellenic was before, so Hellenic was just strictly Greek. Right. Because with the Battle of Actium, well. they had sort of fused the Greek and the Roman worlds. Yeah. Um, so Greece is now a part of the Roman. Yeah. I guess what we would call the Roman Empire. So he goes off. He He's fighting in Germany. He's having a great time. Um, and then he returns home, and he's elected to consul at 29. So remember, he was legally allowed to run at 37, which was earlier than the normal Roman allowance of 42. And he just goes home at 29, and he's, he's allowed to run for consul. Um, and the same year, his, his son is born, uh, who he names after his brother, Drusus Julius Caesar. Uh, Agrippa then goes ahead and dies in 12 BC, which leaves uh, Tiberius and Drusus in a much better position to succeed to Augustus. Up to this point, you know, there wasn't a notion of hereditary inheritance. This wasn't a monarchy. So it was assumed that when Augustus, who was sickly, died, he would pass his kingdom on or his, his, his realm on to Agrippa, who was his most trusted general and advisor. So Agrippa dying before Augustus suddenly yeah. is sort of unexpected. Yeah, I mean, that, um, that's like similar to uh, Marcus Antonius. Uh, Mark Antony, he thought he would be Julius Caesar's successor because he was one of Julius right. Caesar's top lieutenants and like close friends. Right. Um, so he was like really pissed off when, <laughs> when it ended up being uh, Octavian. 
And there's and the thing about getting assassinated is you don't have time to draft a will. So they <laughs> had to go to war and uh, figure it out. We know it wasn't going to be Lepidus, though. Well, um, well, the will was drafted, though. That's the thing. Oh, and he did leave everything. To yeah, Augustus, posthumously in his will, he adopted. Right. Yeah, and there's like some, some theories about that. That like, who's to say who wrote that? Right. Like. Oh. Uh, well, I, least... I mean, I, from from what it's known, I mean, like I know the TV show Rome makes um, uh, Adia uh, Octavius's mom seem like really scheming, but from the only evidence that we have, she was not. Yeah. And like he, his dad was I don't know some like fucking pig farmer or something. Um, I forget what his actual uh, job was. It was not that di- different from that. But uh, uh, Adia was like supposed to be like a really like unbelievably uh, austere and reserved woman. And they turned into could... like this like fiery. Yeah, like this crazy like sex hound to like on yeah. the TV show Rome. Well, but like, I will say, thirteen-year-old me seeing that show, I was like, oh damn! Like, who is this Adia yeah. of the Julii? Hello. <laughs> You know, like, just, like, pausing the HBO on demand. and Ooh, look at those. Anyway, so, um, so, uh, so uh, now that uh, Agrippa's dead, Augustus basically forces Tiberius to marry Agrippa's daughter, Agrippina. Yeah. Uh, he, I'm sorry, he forces him to divorce Agrippa's daughter, Agrippina, yeah. and marry Agrippa's widow, Julia, which is not Agrippa's mom. Um, Agrippina's mom, who also happened to be Augustus's biological daughter. So if your head is spinning, you're not wrong. So is mine. Um, <laughs> yeah, go look so, at a go look at a family tree. Oh, guess what? It's wild. It'll still be spinning. <laughs> It'll still be spinning. It's wild. So Augustus had a daughter named Julia, who he had married off to Agrippa after Agrippa's you know wife died, cementing them in blood. They were now uh, father and son-in-law, as well as like best buds. They had multiple kids together, including Gaius and Lucius, who are the two blood twin. Uh, they're not twins, but the two blood siblings that yeah. are considered to be the heirs apparent uh, by Augustus, even ahead of Tiberius and Drusus. Mm-hmm. Tiberius and Drusus come along. Tiberius is now married to Julia, who is Augustus's daughter and the ex-wife or the widow of Agrippa. Um, so now Tiberius is both Augustus's uh, stepson and his son-in-law. And so now you're going to see, like, why names get so confusing. Because when all this stuff happens, people change their names. People, it gets nuts. Snip, snap, um, Tiberius snip, snap, is, is snip, snap. Right. <laughs> Tiberius is dismayed by this. He loves his wife. Um, and apparently Julia is, like, a freak. And, again, this is all Suetonius, who, like, clearly was a woman hater. So we don't know. But Julia apparently yeah, was all, kind he, of a... He also just, like, this little skinless bullshit. Yeah, you know it's like uh, it's like the gossip. And girl now let me tell of... you who they were fucking at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, at least according to Suetonius, uh, Julia had come on to Tiberius years before, which Tiberius was like totally freaked out by because a he loved his wife, yeah. b Julia was married to like the scariest dude in Rome and the daughter of the scariest dude in Rome's boss, yeah. and c. They were, like, sort of siblings. So he was just like, this chick's a freak. I'm not doing anything about this. And now, all of a sudden, they have to get married. Um, So it's not a happy marriage, and it begins to sour immediately, and it also begins to sour Tiberius, who was already not – he was definitely happier, like, out with the legions. He loved military life. And now, all of a sudden, he's just, like, getting sucked into, like, the political machinations of his psychotic stepfather. Yeah, Yeah. He doesn't like it. Um so there's a story, again, in Suetonius' Twelve Caesars that apparently shortly thereafter, Tiberius runs into his ex-wife, Vipsania, 
and uh, he starts bawling his eyes out, and she runs away from him because she's not supposed to talk to him. And he, like, follows her all the way back to her house, like, through the streets of Rome, just begging her to forgive him and saying, you know, it's not my fault. I love you. I love you. Um, and Augustus finds out about this and basically forbids them to ever be in the same room together. So he makes Tiberius uh, divorce his his beloved wife and then forbids them from ever seeing each other again so that he can marry his, like, promiscuous, awful daughter. Um, so Tiberius is younger. The aristocrats. The aristocrats. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so Tiberius's younger brother Drusus, who is his best friend, is still off in Germania. Um, he falls off his horse. He becomes injured and then seriously ill, and then he dies. Um, so in 9 BCE, he leaves Tiberius as the sort of clear successor of the two to the throne. Um, in 6 BCE, Tiberius leads several more victorious campaigns against German tribes. Um, he doesn't really create like lasting extension of the the Roman borders and you'll see that you know throughout history Rome is sort of never able to truly uh, and completely subjugate what they considered you know the Germans partly because they were tough but also because a lot of this was like land that wasn't particularly valuable and it was it was really hard to patrol these tribes were very loosely confederated if at all um, they were constantly warring with each other and it was a lot of times to the Romans, it was just sort of more trouble than it was worth. And they were constantly it, moving around, too. Moving they, and changing their allegiances. Yeah. And sometimes they were allied and sometimes they weren't. Yeah. Um, so he's never able to make any sort of, like, lasting... Inroads. He's never sort of able to make any, like, lasting extension to the border. So yeah. he's not remembered as, like, a great conqueror, but he was winning consistent victories. He was, he was, he was doing a nice job. Yeah. Um, he returns back to Rome, is granted a triumph, and... Is, is offered the job of being a military tribune over the entire Eastern Empire, which, remember, at this point extends all the way out to Anatolia, past Greece, you know, into, like, what is modern-day Turkey. Yeah. Um, and in the West, goes all the way to the British Isles. So he's basically offered power that is only rivaled by Augustus. He's, he's, he's essentially being offered the second-in-command job, which, which was Agrippa's and is now being offered to him. Yeah. That's um, about very trouble. A region of Asia, right? Which at this and point so he, was like Western Asia. This but. wasn't like a cushy job. He was going to be expected to spend essentially the rest of his life quelling rebellions and conquering new states over there, and fighting and fighting and fighting. So yeah. he wasn't being handed like a you know some relaxing position, but he was being given control of more than half of the Roman military, right? Yeah. Like he was being handed the reins and and basically saying like, you will now be the great conqueror and the great successor to Rome, um, which is why it's really surprising that rather than accepting this honor, he abruptly announces his public retirement uh, from political life, and he mm -hmm. decides that he's going to leave Rome completely. He gives up all of his political offices, mm -hmm. and he heads out for his villa on the Greek island of Rhodes, Yep, um, which is, like, it's legitimately scandalous. This is Jay-Z, like, dropping the Black Album and then saying, I'm never going to make a rap album again, except if, if you know, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know what a, car a current analog to this is. It was huge. It was it yeah. was earth shattering. Um, and he says, "I'm going to go to Rhodes. I don't want to do this anymore." Um, so contemporary historians generally agree that he withdrew for two major reasons. Um, Suetonius contends that his main reason <laughs> was that he was married to Julia, and Julia was just such an awful, venomous, adulterous viper, um, and did nothing to hide it, and she would just cheat on him publicly with other public officials and tell people about it and would cheat in public, and um, people were too afraid to say anything about it because her dad was her dad, and... Um, 
he was just so unhappy that he had to get out of Rome. Um, but also, and, and maybe more realistic, was that Augustus, as we've mentioned, had now personally adopted Julia's two sons with Agrippa, Gaius and Lucius, from her marriage. Um, and so rather than having Tiberius adopt them, which would have probably been customary, and then they would have sort of been seen as his sons and his successors, Augustus made them his own sons, and they were actually his blood. They were his grandsons. Um, and so Tiberius is looking at this, and he's like, well, am I just going to be given this, like, really difficult job out east to just, like, fight and, like, maybe die until these two kids are old enough and then just, like, lose my job and, like, live the rest of my life in obscurity? And he's like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm just going to quit now and just give those kids the job because clearly you want them to have the job anyway. Um, and he was feeling like, what am I, just, like, your backup? You just want me as your backup until yeah. these kids are old enough? You know, and Tiberius is, I'm sorry, Augustus is worried because he's old and he gets sick and he's like, I need to have somebody lined up just in case I die tomorrow. But it's pretty clear that he wants these two younger boys to uh, take control. Yeah. Um, so when, when Tiberius leaves, Augustus panics because, like I said, he's 57, he's prone to illness, and Gaius and Lucius are just little kids at this point. And in Rome, like, even though this is a, now the beginnings of an empire, it is still... A meritocracy in a lot of ways and at this point in history they're not going to let some nine-year-old kid run the show if yeah. you're not a proven general and a proven politician a bunch of guys who are, are going to step in and say we'll take it from here yeah. so augustus is really freaked out that as soon as he dies there's going to be another power vacuum and all the peace and prosperity that he's created is going to go out the window and his two grandsons are going to get slaughtered and so the story goes that he, he begs Tiberius to stay and he fakes an illness because he's known for being sick all the time and says, I'm going to die, please just stay. And the story goes that Tiberius got on his ship but left his ship anchored off the coast of Italy. And as soon as he received word that, that Augustus was better, he immediately just shoved off and went to, went to Rhodes and said, I'm staying in my villa, I'm going to drink and sleep with nice ladies, and yep. I'm never – well." nice human beings of varying <laughs> ages and sexual Again, uh, orientations. The stories of Tiberius. To Tonius, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that later, but there is starting to be rumblings that Tiberius <laughs> has some interesting taste in, uh, in sexual partners. And also interesting diseases that may make you go right. crazy. <laughs> I don't want to get into that yet, yeah, though. Yeah, I think yeah. that's going to be part two stuff, because yeah. part one Tiberius is still... We like part one Tiberius. Yeah. Tiberius the man is, I think, a, a, a really cool guy. Yeah, and he's um, just basically just telling, telling Augustus to frig off. He's, he's, being, he's saying, hey, frig off, man. Frig off. Um, <laughs> the story goes that he felt remorse after leaving because, like, what if Augustus really was sick? And uh. so he, he writes him and says, listen, like, if you're actually unwell, I will come home. Um, let me come back to Rome. And Augustus is like, no, like, you wanted to go, you can stay gone, and basically exiles him to Rhodes. He he said, you can't quit, you're fired. <laughs> and um, So Tiberius spends the better part of a decade just in Rhodes, and he's he's doing his thing, he's having a good time, and, um, you know, he continually writes back to Augustus apparently over the years and says, like, let me come back, but um, Augustus says no, and he's focused on raising his two uh, two grandsons, Lucius and Gaius. Now, this all, this all comes to a, a head when at 18 years old, uh, I think this is eight years later, Gaius, the younger of the two grandsons, uh, dies of a sudden illness while he's traveling in Gaul. Um, he had just that year achieved what is you know, known as his toga of manhood. So Roman children wore like 
like a kind of a shirt smock thing when they were kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once they achieved adulthood, were allowed to wear a toga, which is like a wrap around. You've seen a toga. You know what a toga yeah, is. Yeah, you've seen Animal House. Listeners, yeah. you've seen Animal House. You've, se- you've seen Animal House. You know what they wear in Animal House. Yeah. Um, that's the mark of a, of a Roman man. Um, and he had been made a pontifex, which is like a priest in the Roman religion. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Augustus is freaking out. He's in his 60s now. Uh, and he invites Tiberius back to the capital, but he doesn't give him back any of his previous jobs or his previous honors. He says, you know, you uh, come back, but you're a private citizen. You have no political, no military office. He's obviously still, like, privately very wealthy because of who he is, but he's not officially in charge of anything. Uh, but then two years later, uh, Gaius, who's the older of the two brothers, um, I'm sorry, Lucius just died. I think I made a typo before. Let me just retract that. Lucius okay. has died at 18. The younger one, yeah, yeah. The younger. Now, Gaius, who's the older brother, at age 23, dies while serving in the legions in Armenia. Uh, and Augustus now essentially has no heirs. He has no choice but to formally and officially adopt Tiberius as his full son and heir. Um, so remember, up to this point, Tiberius has just been his stepson. Um, he's, I mean, he's treated for all intents and purposes as the son of the emperor. Um, so it's not like he was like, treated poorly or anything, but he, he wasn't officially the son of Augustus. Now he legally is. Yep. And he takes the name that we know him by, Tiberius Caesar Augustus. Um, Tiberius was then um, commanded by Augustus to adopt his nephew, Germanicus, who was his brother Drusus's son, uh, as his own heir, who was also Augustus's grandnephew. Who did, uh, at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's all... Augustus wants to ensure that someone with his blood is going to, at some yeah. point, inherit. Lot, so lots of Claudians his, are in the line of succession now. There's lots of Claudians. And no Julians. No Julians. Um, look at look at look at so, what Livia was able to do. I know. And so if you read the book I, Claudius, like yeah, Livia I, has those kids he's killed. He's poisoning people She's, Yeah, she poisons right. everyone and yeah. makes it so that Tiberius takes control and... She lives a long time. I mean, it's likely yeah, that she so. had more influence than she's remembered as having, but mm-hmm. we have no reason to suspect that she was, like, a heinous witch who, like, yeah. murdered children. It's possible. Yeah, she, she probably did have a lot of uh, control over Tiberius, too. She probably did, and then she probably also had a lot of control over um, the next two emperors, right? Because they were well, not, her... No, not, um, not Caligula. But, oh, but, but Claudius. Claudius. Who was also her nephew, doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Let's yeah. just shoving on because we're getting close here. Yeah. Uh, um, so upon being formally adopted, Tiberius receives the full powers that he had denied previously of being a military uh, tribune. So he and he also is given a formal share of Augustus's imperium. His authority, his his supreme right to rule, um, is shared now. So he's essentially. Um, an equal with Augustus. And at the same time, Augustus then banishes Gaius and Lucius's youngest brother, Agrippa Posthumus, which literally means like Agrippa's youngest son who was born after he died. Yeah. Um, he banishes him. He's like six years old and he makes Tiberius uh, his full political equal. Um, this actually provides the basis for the eventual Roman tradition of older emperors investing their chosen heirs with what is essentially co-emperor status, mm-hmm. um, so that when the elder would die, which was Augustus's plan, the younger 
there's not even really a, a succession or a power vacuum because the, the yeah, surviving... Yeah, he's already, like, Caesar. So then he's the Caesar already a Caesar. the Augustus. Right, right. And that, that naming, uh, naming convention hasn't happened yet, but it would become mm -hmm. to be known, like, the, the true emperor is the Augustus. His successor slash co-emperor is the Caesar. Yeah, the junior. Um, named after, obviously, Julius Caesar and Augustus. Yeah. Um, so this is never formalized, but a lot of emperors will do this with varying degrees of success. Yep. You'll eventually see the whole empire split. But so this is sort of the basis for that, the legal precedent for that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really smart because when he dies, Tiberius is already going to be essentially ruling the empire. And there's not going to be a need for any mm -hmm. wars or any struggles of succession. Um, part of being tribune, though, as we mentioned before, is that Tiberius is expected to command armies, so he returns to Germania, mounts another bunch of successful wars. He's essentially, like, a, got a, a spotless record as a military leader. We don't think of him that way, which yeah. is kind of unfair, but that's just because he didn't, like, conquer places, but he he was a, a really brilliant He's tactician. He's a military man, yeah. Yeah, and he, he avenges the recent defeat at Teutoburg Forest, which had occurred in 9 CE, which I want to do a whole episode on, so we didn't really talk about yeah. it, but... Quintilius Varus, give me back my legions. Yes. Uh, <laughs> one of Augustus's face into the wall. <laughs> one of Augustus's generals failed miserably, Quintilius Varus. And there's actually a Netflix show about it that's that's not too bad. I will say that yeah, show was pretty I do fun. Watch that. It, it's it's dramatized, but it's pretty good. There's a battle yeah. of uh, about the it's called Barbarians. Yeah. And yeah. it's about uh, this whole story with Tudorberg Forest. Go watch it. It's pretty good. They do it in real German, not old German, but German yeah. and and accurately pronounced Latin, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do want to watch that. And so uh, another legionary standard had been stolen by the Germans, and so uh, uh, Tiberius gets that back. So he's now returned four legions, their standards. He's he's very well regarded by the military, which is a good spot to be in if you're going to succeed the existing emperor. Mm -hmm. um, so he's about to then, he goes home, he gets another triumph, which was well-deserved. Um, and again, a triumph is just like, a general gets to parade through Rome mm -hmm. and show everybody all the cool slaves he captured and all the money he took, and everyone says, yeah, wow, you're so great. He gets to wear that, that red face paint. He wears red face paint, yeah. um, and he gets to wear a crown of, like, olive laurels. Yeah. Which is, like, the only time a Roman man, even yeah. the emperor generally, gets to wear any sort yeah. of crown. Yeah, and then there's just some dude standing behind you on right. the little chariot going, you're just a man. Yeah, just they have man. someone stand behind him, <laughs> reminding him that he is just a mortal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I want to do all this stuff because Rome is fucking buck wild. They have yeah. so many cool traditions, and their culture was just so so insane. Yeah. Um, but we're we got to wrap up. So yeah, yeah. Tiberius returns to Rome. Um, I'm sorry. He yeah, he returns to Rome, takes a triumph, and then he's going to leave on sort of a tour of the provinces that he is to govern. But before he gets very far, he gets news that Augustus is sick. Augustus is dying. He heads back to Rome, um, and he apparently gets to have one last sort of fevered discussion with Augustus um, as the other is on his deathbed, um, and. Then Augustus dies. He's 75. He's just shy of his 76th birthday. This dude uh, who was, like, having spells of, like, sickness since he was a little kid. Yeah. He fucking makes it to 75. He makes it to 75. He's been getting mortally ill multiple times throughout his life. And uh, the greatest man For, like, man 20 in Rome... years occasionally on death's doorstep and then comes back. Yep. Well, but so the, the, the thing about that is that's the reason that he spent so much time trying mm -hmm. to formalize his succession. He didn't think he was going to live this long. He yeah. thought he was going to be dead by 50 and lived another 25 years. Yeah. But 
the upside to that is that he made damn sure he had some plans in place for when he died. Yeah. So Tiberius uh, is now um, the unlikely and reluctant, but very highly qualified, and he's very beloved, at least by the military, um, sole ruler of the Roman Empire. So all that's left now is for him to be granted all of the official titles and all of the official honors that Augustus held by the Senate, um, of which there are many, many, many. But this is a story for next time, because uh, as I said, we're going to be handling this in two parts. Yeah. Um, so this uh, officially ends part one of the story of Tiberius, uh, Tiberius the man. We've seen the boy grow up. He's made a name for himself. Uh, he has defied expectations and his own desires, and he's become the most powerful man in the Western world. Uh, now he has the daunting task of ruling in the shadow of the greatest of all Romans. Will he do it, or will things get fucky and weird? The answer to the, both of these questions is yes. <laughs> Stay tuned in the coming weeks for part two, Tiberius, the emperor. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the end of my notes for today, but we will yeah. be continuing this story. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so... Fuck it, I dude. Know, I had a blast. <laughs> dude, I love this episode, man. And uh, I'm, I'm excited because I think we both have talked about, like having more two-parters and maybe even three. Like, if we do yeah, Augustus, series, that's yeah, probably yeah. going to be a three-parter. Um, we don't want this to be a, sequ- a sequential history podcast, but there will certainly be yeah. host-driven multi-part episodes. So next week, Evan's going to do another episode, and mm-hmm. then in two weeks, you'll hear my conclusion to the saga of Tiberius. I, right? Like, I think that's how we want to do this. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, yeah. I, I'm not going to make you do it two weeks in a row. So I can. No, nah, that's fine. I can, I can okay. do it. Yeah, I think, it, I think it'll be fun. So you won't hear the conclusion to the Tiberius saga next week, but you'll hear it in two weeks. Yep. Um, and Evan's got some more cool shit. We both have long lists of yeah, yeah. cool we both, shit. We both and, are filling up a notes app uh, yeah. file on our phones and just yeah. checking them off. We've got, I think we've got at least probably like 30 episodes lined up yeah. now, officially. Something like that. Yeah, something like 25 that. 25 or 30 episodes. So yeah. um, it's looking fun and... Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I, I I know that we talk a lot about all sorts of off-topic things, but I hope that just conveys to you how fascinating and massive and interesting the story of, of ancient Rome is. It's yeah. absolutely my favorite part of history. And Yeah, I um, mean, like a bunch of, like, basically all the digressions we just went on were, like, right off the cuff. I know, I know. <laughs> None of that was written. There's a lot to talk about. And yeah. Um, we tried to keep it limited because we want to do episodes on a lot of this stuff, but yeah. um, we're not going to be a Roman history podcast, so we'll keep it varied as well. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, unless you have anything to add, I think that's basically it. No. Um, yeah, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at, yeah. uh, at Left on Red Pod, and I think Evan's on there at Poor Fidalgo, yeah. and I'm on there as at Gluten Young. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. We really... Don't find hoping us on Facebook. To... Oh, find, find the podcast on Facebook. Yeah, you can don't find, find, find us on Facebook. On Facebook. <laughs> if you find me on Facebook, I'm going to not, I'm never going to talk to you on there. Yeah. Um, but no, we're, we're, we're really excited to be doing more of the like sort of, we kind of wanted to get like the first bunch of episodes done and it was stuff that we were interested in, but we picked them as our first episodes for a reason. And yeah. now we're hoping to get the ball rolling with some of the juicier, meatier bits and Yep. We're we're stoked. We're ready to go. So, all right. We hope to to see you guys soon. Yep. And it's like I always say, um, if the shoe fits. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're good. All right. Yeah. We're done. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>